We'll be in Revelation chapter 12 this evening. Get back into our study in the book of Revelations. And so Revelation chapter number 12. Well, we're in Revelation chapter number 12 this evening. Let me give you a quick review. It's been a few weeks since we've been in this study. So let's remind you where we've been. We've been using this timeline uh, as we've studied through the end times, looking at a chronological view. We began with the church age. And um, I looked at that, I think, just for one Wednesday night, and then went into the rapture. Uh, and after that, we studied about the judgment seat of Christ. I think that took three weeks to cover those two topics. And, um, and now for some time, we've been in the tribulation period. And I've been studying this seven-year period uh, that, is taking, that will take place here on the earth. And uh, we're about halfway through, and that's where the tribulation period is divided into two segments. Uh, you have that first three and a half years and the second three and a half years called the Great Tribulation. And we're, I guess, about midway point of that. Uh, it's hard for me to for sure know exactly where we're at in those, those timelines, but we're, we're probably beyond the halfway point in our study thus far. And... Um, We've thus far studied about the seal judgments, and then we've just completed the trumpet judgments. And there's one more set of judgments that are coming, and they're called the vile judgments. And those will take place starting in chapter number 15. Now this evening, we're going to get into chapter number 12. And I'm going to read this this evening, and I shared with you here a few weeks ago, someone had asked if we could find some pictures that would depict the things that are described in the book of Revelation. And I found an artist's rendition of uh, many of the, the things described in the book of Revelation. I purchased these so we could look at them. And I reminded you that this artwork is not what you would call beautiful, uh, maybe not even tasteful at times, but again, it's not its subject matter is not beautiful. This is the wrath of God poured out upon the earth. This is a, 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 an earth and a people that have rejected God and, and getting the, the consequence of this. And so many of the things that we see in, in the book of Revelation, is, it, it is different, it's, it's harsh, it's, it, it, and, it, and it's uh, maybe not appealing to us, but it certainly is things that will take place. Uh, we went looked at probably a dozen pictures in our last study catching up on these things. Tonight I think I have three or four pictures here from chapter number 12. So what I want to do is read the entirety of chapter number 12. And I'm trying to um, uh, move the pictures along as we get to them. But you'll see these things. I'll try to comment on them as we look as what is described in chapter number 12. Let's read it first of all. It says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. If you just pause, and I know you may not be able to see that picture well. Uh, we can't get it big enough for you to see everything. But uh, she's clothed with the sun. She has a crown with twelve stars upon it. Uh, the, the moon there is, is under her feet. And so we see this description there. It goes on to say, She being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns, 
upon his heads. If we pause here, there's this, this red dragon, this great red dragon. And again, there are, uh, it is as it's described here, seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. Excuse me, his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the, of the stars of heaven and then cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now, that's a key thought in this passage of Scripture, that last phrase of verse number 4. For to devour her child as soon as it was born. Verse 5 says, And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up into God and to his throne. Let me move ahead here as we get into this next section here. It says, And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his uh, and fought in his angels, and so here is this picture here of Michael, the archangel, and the angels of heaven battling in heaven. And certainly, we would not think of warfare in heaven typically, would we? We would think of heaven as a place of peace. But here we see this war is described. It says in verse eight, and prevailed not; neither was their their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, that, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast upon the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time and a half time from the face of the serpent. And so uh, here we have this woman uh, as described here in the beginning part. Now she has these eagle's wings and she's able to escape. Verse 15, And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he, might be, uh, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And here again is a picture of this dragon uh, spewing this water out. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep, uh, excuse me, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of God of Jesus Christ. My goal this evening as we study is to introduce to you some things here in chapter number 12. And really I want to introduce to you the three primary characters. And then next week come and get a little deeper and get some more details out of chapter number 12. 
you remember when we were back in a previous chapter, chapter number 7, I introduced to you the thought uh, that not all of the book of Revelation is presented in a chronological um, 1, 2, 3, A, B, C order of events. Much of it is, but not all of it. And uh, we particularly, especially in our Western mind, we are, we are used to reading that way, following things in a chronological fashion. But the Bible is not written chronologically. The Bible is written in different groups. And, and although the book of Revelation overall follows a chronological place uh, fashion, there are portions of it that are, I've heard it described as circular. Uh, it comes back and it, it, and it fills in details that has already been discussed or maybe not discussed, and it, and it brings more light. And in chapter 7, I said that these are called parenthetical chapters. And, and when you hear that word parenthetical, we hear the word parentheses. And so these are like a parentheses chapter here. And that word parentheses, it means to enclose incidental or supplemental information or comments. And we've entered into a section of Scripture where we're pausing on this this systematic approach of what's going on. And here we have a parenthetical passage of Scripture. In fact, chapters 12, 13, and 14 will be much of that way. uh, Giving us additional supplemental information. Some of the things that we'll see here. Uh, could be happening at the, uh, coinciding with some of the events we've already described, or perhaps their future, or certainly we're going to read us some things this evening that are historical, took place already. And John brings them to light for us here in chapter number 12. And so again, I want to highlight a portion of this this evening and, and then dig a little deeper next week into chapters 12, 13, and 14. Now as we do this, I want us to do it with a principle in mind that we will hopefully recognize through chapter 12 and throughout the scriptures, this fundamental truth. And that truth is this, that God has always had a plan. And it's a plan of redemption. Now, it's not a plan that continually is being altered and changed and and redirected because of things that have are happening in this world. God's not like, oh, I didn't see that one coming, and let me re- redo this, and let me fix this now. Uh, Satan doesn't throw him a curveball and fool him ever. Uh, how many of you ever played, uh, men here or ladies, you, you played baseball, and do you remember the first time you ever saw a real-life curveball work? Uh, now, when we played Little League, the curveballs didn't always work, and you got plunked, didn't you? Uh, you got hit with that ball. But I remember when I was probably 13 or 14 years old, we were scrimmaging a team that was a, a, a league above us. They were older than us. They were 15, 16. And, and here I was as a 13-year-old, and I was standing in that batter's box, and I'm ready for that pitch to come, and it was coming right at my head. And, and I, I ducked like this. And the next thing I heard was the, the umpire says, strike one. And I looked at him and said, what are you talking about? I said, it was going to hit me. And everybody was laughing at me. And they said, welcome to the big leagues, kid. There was a curveball. Threw it at me, but it went over, It curved right away from me. And it fooled me. Sometimes you swing at a ball and it drops out of the way. The batter was fooled. 
Let me tell you this tonight. God has never fooled. God has always had a plan, and it's a plan of redemption. But there is one out there that is doing his, his best to foil that plan, to destroy that plan. Uh, this plan of redemption revolves around this woman of chapter 12, and especially the man-child of chapter 12. But the great red dragon in chapter 12 is and always has been and always will be against this plan of redemption. He has and is and will always be trying to destroy this plan of redemption. And I can say this tonight with great confidence. He will always fail. He'll never be successful at it. He'll never have a victory uh, over this. And again, as I mentioned there in verse number 4, at the very end... This was this great red dragon was ready to, uh, talking about this child that was ready to be delivered. uh, And it says, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. This was the desire of this great red dragon. So let me introduce to you the three main characters this evening of Revelation 12. Uh, You can look at them this night in these three ways. The woman, the great red dragon, and the man child. So let's talk about, first of all, the woman this evening. Uh, back up in verse number one, we're introduced to her, uh, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. We first of all see her, her unusual attire in verse number one. Now, that's not just being um, sharing information just to share information there. This is going to be useful information in verse number one. Uh, this is going to be something that, that gives us uh, understanding of who the scripture is talking about here. And so this is not just some uh, useless filling in space of scripture here. This is important things of what she was attired with. Verse number two, uh, we can see her appearance here. She being with child cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. It's describing a woman that is great with child. She's experiencing the the pains of birth. And so we see that this is describing a woman great with child. So the question is, who is this woman? What's her identity? Let me first of all begin this evening with who she is not. Now, I had never heard the first example I'm going to give to you this evening, but I did in my studies of this this week learn this this is a thought that has been out there. Maybe it's not that popular, but I, how many have ever heard the name Mary Baker Eddy? Do you know that name? How many have you ever heard of the Church of Christ and Science? Yeah. And this was began back, I believe, in the early 1900s, late 1800s. Christian science, it's been called. Well, you may have never heard that some believe her to be the woman here in chapter number 12. And perhaps we haven't heard it because she's the one that proclaimed it. She said, that's me. I'm the woman of Revelation chapter number 12, and her church would be the child. Well, if you've ever thought that or... Believe that, let me assure you tonight, that is not the truth, all right? She is not uh, the mother of, uh, of chapter number 12 or the woman of chapter number 12. This one's a little bit more popular depending on your denominational background. Uh, 
But many in our world believe that this is describing Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, there is a denomination that's popularized that, a denomination that has elevated Mary to a, a, a level that Mary herself never wanted to go to, and that's the Roman Catholic Church. They have, they have said that this is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Of course, they've elevated her to a, a position of a saint, to, to, to a deity. And um, let me say this this evening. We can honor and, and appreciate Mary for who she is without giving her any position that she would not desire herself of being part of the Godhead, of being a sinless in any fashion. She was a good woman. She was a, a great woman, but she was not a sinless woman. She cannot provide salvation. She cannot answer your prayers. She's never been intended for that. But there's people out there that have elevated her beyond things. And, and in this passage of Scripture, the Catholics have said, this must be Mary, the mother of Jesus. Others, even within our, sometimes our own circles, have said that this is describing the church. And that this is the woman in chapter number 12 uh, is, is the church. Now, it is true that the church is often described as a female. In Ephesians chapter number 5, the church is described as the bride of Christ. Uh, but that would be about as close as you could get to this. And so I do not believe it is describing the church. To answer this thought would require me to jump ahead. And so let me give you the answer to who the man-child is. Well, the man-child is none other than Jesus Christ. And could you, could you agree with me this evening uh, that the church did not produce Jesus Christ? The church is here because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ brought the church into this world, but it's, the church did not produce Jesus Christ. So who is this woman in chapter number 12? Well, it's very clear here as we study this out this evening that this is representing a nation. It's the nation of Israel. And this is where her attire of chapter 12, verse 1, becomes very important. Turn your Bibles over to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. And let's look at a few verses here this evening. We'll just read a portion of verse number 1. It says, And Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger. And so we're speaking about Jacob, and then we're going to, in verse number two, get the generations of Jacob. He's going to speak of his children. And so Jacob, uh, we know that through Jacob comes 12 tribes. And Jacob becomes, his name is changed to Israel. It's through Jacob that we have the nation of Israel described. Now, now look with me here this evening. Um, I hope I can find the verses. I didn't write them down. Uh, I don't want to read the whole thing. But this is the section of Scripture where Joseph starts talking about his dreams that he has. The dreams and the visions that the Lord gives him. And he tells them to his brothers, and at the end of verse number 8, it says, They hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And look at verse number 9, it says, And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance 
unto me. Well, here we have this description. He's going to go on to tell them, you know, I think Jacob is the sun and uh, his mother Rachel was the moon. And he's going to tell all those brothers, you're the stars and you're going to make obeisance to me. You're going to bow down to me. Well, you can imagine how much his brothers love to hear that. Here's the favorite child. You remember the one that his father made the coat of many colors? And Joseph walked around with his thumbs in it all the time. Look at me, you know, probably. And here I am. And, and, and he tells his brothers, by the way, there's coming a day you're going to bow to me. Now, that was fulfilled in the book of Genesis, you remember. You remember, they, they, they're going to kill Joseph. And, and then they decide to sell him into slavery. And he ends up in Egypt. He ends up in a, in a prison cell, and he elevates himself in prison. He eventually elevates himself into the house of Pharaoh. He eventually elevates himself to second in command in all the nation of Egypt. And then there's a great drought in the land. And Jacob and his brothers from years before, uh, or Jacob and his sons from years before, uh, are without food, and they go down to Egypt. And eventually, we can't go through the whole story tonight, but you know most, most of you know the story uh, those brothers come before J Joseph and they bow their knee. This is describing this young nation at this time. Well, that nation will grow, won't it? It will no longer be just a father and a few boys and their children. It will grow into a large nation known as Israel. And it's signified here by this description of the sun, the moon, and the 12 stars around her. So here we have the woman, and this is Israel. Well, the great red dragon's probably not too difficult for us to figure out as well. He's introduced to us here in verse number, verse number 3. There appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns upon his head, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. If you look down to verse number 9, the Bible itself tells us who this great dragon is. It says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. And he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. These are events that are described for us back in Isaiah, back in Ezekiel, of when Satan was one of God's angelic creations. I believe it's in Ezekiel, uh, it might be chapter 28, where, where Lucifer is described for us. He was an interesting uh, uh, creature, no doubt. He's described in a fashion that uh, no, no doubt music was a part of who his, what his calling was. He had pipes and tabrets that were attached to him. I remember years ago when I was a little my boy, my dad preaching about it and describing his, he had read and studied, and perhaps every time that, that Lucifer walked, uh, the, the, the sounds of a pipe organ may have came out of him. He was this, this interesting creature. Some believe that he may have been the song leader of, uh, of heaven, God's song leader. You remember Satan or Lucifer has pride come up into his heart and he wants to ascend and be like the Most High. And there's a war in heaven as described here in Revelation chapter number 12. And Satan uses that tale of the great red dragon and a third of the angels, a third of the stars as described in verse number, uh, verse number uh, 4, 
And then he says and calls those stars there in verse number, uh, verse number 9, the angels. He drew a third of the angelic creatures with him. And these would be part of Satan's demonic forces today. Someone has asked, how many, how many demons are there? Well, we don't know how many angels there were. We don't know how many stars there were, but Satan drew a third of them. If there was a million, he's got 333,000. If, if there was 10 million, he's got whatever those thirds of or all those numbers, whatever that number is, he took a third of them with him. And they were cast from heaven in this great battle here. He's described here as seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns. Let me just mention, some have said that the great red dragon, ignoring verse number 9, they're saying that it represents the Roman Empire. I've heard that they've said that it represents the European Union. These seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns, all these things are not speaking of a nation, but they're speaking to the, the authority the impact and the influence that Satan does have upon the nations. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a being that has, has had great influence on this earth. Notice again with me in verse number, verse 12. It says, Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Now, why is he telling them to rejoice? Because the great red dragon and his... His demonic forces have been cast out of heaven. He says, rejoice heaven, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. So Satan is doing his best in this short time he has, uh, uh, trying to uh, cause as much havoc and, 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 and being a... Uh, 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 drawing people away from God as much as he can and for them to choose uh, others besides Jesus Christ. Satan is at work. Verse 12 tells us his purpose here and to bring great wrath upon this earth. And Satan is hard at work today. Drawing people away. I was watching um, uh, a brief video today of a man having a um, a, a conversation with a person, a believer, having a conversation with an atheist. And this atheistic man was uh, claiming that the Bible was a bunch of myths and fables and, and, and that there is no God and using profanity to describe all of these things. And, and I thought as I've been studying this and then watching that about how Satan has deceived this man. In fact, look at uh, with me, if you will, verse number 7 and, and following there, the descriptions or titles of Satan. Uh, verse number 7 says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. So he's called the dragon. It says in verse 8, And they prevailed not, neither was there found, their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter number 3 when Satan comes to Eve as a serpent. He's called the devil and Satan which deceiveth the whole world. He's a deceiver. He was cast out to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of God and the power of Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down. 
He's known as the deceiver and as the accuser. These are not just titles or names, they're the descriptions of who he is and what he does. Satan is able to deceive, he's able to fool, he's able to cause people to become confused, and he is certainly this great red dragon causing great havoc. And then there's this third character this evening, the man-child. I've already mentioned who it is. It's Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 5. It says, And she, referring to the woman, brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. We don't have time to look at him, but you can write down Psalm chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. It's a messianic psalm, and it describes uh, uh, the, 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 the Messiah upon his throne having a rod or a scepter of iron. Again, in Revelation chapter 19, Jesus comes back at, that, at the battle of Armageddon, and he establishes his kingdom, the millennial kingdom here, those thousand-year reign, and he rules with a rod of iron. It describes Jesus Christ. Also in verse number 5 of uh, chapter 12, it says, And her child was caught up unto God. It it describes an ascension to the throne, an ascension to God. You remember in Acts chapter number 1, after Jesus has been crucified, he's been buried, he was in the grave for those three days and three nights, and then he rose from the dead. And then there was a 40-day period where Jesus was here on this earth. And at the end of those 40 days, in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, he's just got done giving his disciples that great command in chapter 1, verse 8. Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And after he was done giving that command, he ascended into the clouds. He was was brought up to God into the clouds. And it says that's where you have those verses where these angels are standing there. And it says, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus shall so come in like manner. But this description of him with a rod of iron caught up unto God into his throne would describe no one else but Jesus Christ. So this evening, church, as we get ready to break down chapter 12 a little bit more, uh, next week, we're going to do it under the understanding that this woman is Israel. The great red dragon is Satan himself, the accuser, the, the, the deceiver. And this man-child is Jesus Christ. And this is all part of God's redemptive plan. We live in a sin-cursed world that at this moment is dominated by an enemy that wants nothing more than to completely destroy you and your family. Would you pause there just for a moment and not let that just go through one ear and out the other? Can you you get this with me tonight, church? Satan, the great red dragon, the deceiver, the accuser, he hates every one of us. He wants to destroy you. He would like nothing more than to get your family and rip it to shreds. If he can't get your souls because you've given your life to Christ, he still wants to make your life. He hates us. And he's doing his best to wreak havoc on God's redemptive plan. He's tried to destroy it. You remember there all the way back in the book of Exodus, there was a mandate put out 
against the nation of of Israel uh, by Pharaoh to destroy all the the Hebrew male children, correct? We we see throughout the Old Testament different times when, when when the line of Christ was almost uh, extinct. In fact, we just studied a king the other day that, that, uh, that, uh, that an ant rescued him. One person left in the line of Christ. Even when Christ was born, Herod put out that mandate for the children of, uh, of Israel to be, to be killed. All these things took place because Satan, the great red dragon, trying to destroy this redemption plan. And as I mentioned just a moment ago, I can tell you today that he has not succeeded and he will not succeed in the overall plan. But it is said that he has gotten individuals and families and he's made a havoc in their lives. And so tonight, if you're saved, then you need to praise God. You've been born again. You've been redeemed. You need to tell somebody about Jesus. You need to make it your point, as that song said this evening, that, that Lauren and Melissa saying, there's someone near, uh, there's someone not so far from here that, that is struggling, and they need us to give them the truth. Or perhaps if you're here this night or you're listening on our live stream and you don't know Christ as your Savior, Satan doesn't want you to succeed. He doesn't want to do anything good for you. He'll deceive you. He'll lie to you. But you need to come to Jesus Christ. You need to put your faith in the work and the redemptive plan of Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection. So we'll study this in a little greater detail next week. Uh, As we continue this, I'd encourage you to read through chapter 12, 13, and 14 as we look at this parenthetical chapter. So let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the word of God. Pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, as we study, as we continue to look through this, that you would guide us and direct us. Help us, Father, to interpret your word correctly, to rightly divide the word of truth so to bring honor and glory to you and be helpful for us. Lord, watch over us as we uh, go our separate ways this evening. Protect us, watch over us, bring us back at the next appointed time. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good evening.